Welcome to episode 26 of the Average Gamers podcast. On this episode, as well as talking through the usual what we've been up to, we talk a little bit about some of the games that maybe we don't like thematically, but actually do like mechanically. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well then, 26th episode, guys. Hello, hello, Adam. I'm joined by our regular co-host, Adam. Say hello. Hello, hello, Lee. Hello, nice to see you. Shalom. <laughs> Shalom. And also joining us today is uh, Darren, who's been absent for a few months, but he's, he's come Indeed. back to us today. Rejoined the fold after he's he's got bored of Bushido <laughs> and talking about that on a podcast, and now he's come yeah. to rejoin us. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Uh, I'm going to come here to talk about Bushido, haven't I? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we've got news for you, Darren. <laughs> Other games? Okay, then, go on, I'll give it a go. go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's let's have a little bit of, bit of a catch-up, I guess, you know, what, what have we been up to since we last recorded? Because we've actually had a bit of a break, haven't we? Maybe about three or four weeks now since our last episode. Uh, so, Adam, why don't you kick off? What, what have you been up to since we last recorded? Crikey. Um, so, what have I been up to? I t- I've gone on a bit of a spending splurge, if I'm honest. I went knee-deep in Arkham. So, before... Um, not balls-deep, just, just knee-deep. Knee deep. Just so knee-deep. It's not really deep, that much of know. a splurge, is it? If you're only knee-deep. So, before I had a few of the kind of... Um, so, I had the a, a couple of the campaign sets. So, I had Carcosa, the Forgotten Age, and a core set. And a couple of the different scenario packs, um, but yeah, I've just since you know we've been looking at things, different things to play, and I've introduced my wife Shelley to Arkham. She's really enjoying it. Um, I've just kind of got this bug, and I'm like, I must, must buy everything. <laughs> so, um, and and typical fantasy, like we talk about this a lot, but typical fantasy flight and their model, and like not being able to get hold of things when when they're out of print, and having to wait for them to come back in. Um, I got a bit kind of like you know when you get that collector syndrome where you're like, well, if I just buy everything now, yeah, then I can't avoid it being out of print when I want to get hold of it. Um, I definitely had that and kind of picked up a bunch of stuff. So now I've got um, the uh, Dunwich set. I've got the Dream Eaters cycle. I've got the um, part of the Circun. I've got the Dunwich conspiracy. I, I basically went crazy and picked up as much as I could. Uh, bought a couple of the extra standalone packs but it's been really good and actually i've seen like i've seen like a renewed enthusiasm for kind of playing arkham um we've been playing some with our friends uh tom and sophie and obviously yourself lee when we can um it's our kind of like once a week get out the house and and go and see some friends run their house or something obviously socially distance as much as we can but um no parties of more than six people in your house that is illegal so lest the great cthulhu come and destroy the world well right yeah or force you to pull like horrors from the <laughs> chaos bag so which is everyone's <laughs> best friend but you know it's been really fun kind of building up some of the different character decks and things that i haven't explored myself before um i give the example like where we've played before with like maybe where like darren and i and um, jay have played through a campaign i've only ever had to build like one character at a time but it's actually quite fun sitting down and being like, I've got to build a party of characters that work together in synergy. Um, and you get to build those yourselves and kind of build them around a specific theme. And I just picked up on some of those characters that I probably
probably previously never looked at and went, hey, that guy looks really fun to play and kind of build a little theme into his deck or her deck. And it's, yeah, it's just been really fun. I'm a big fan of the kind of Arkham Horror franchise. So, um, yeah, it's been really good to kind of play some more of those games. Are you finding that the extra um, uh, cycle cards are just giving you lots of extra options, as in the cards for the player decks? Are they, are they is it does it feel weird that you're getting cards basically from cycles that you're not playing through at the moment do you think that makes any difference um i've tried to limit Maybe. the stuff so uh, what darren's referring to is certain cycles have specific cards for characters that are kind of like themed around that cycle so you'll have like um a good example is in the dream eater cycle there's like uh, seeker cards that are like the dreaming serum or like um like dream diaries and things like that that enable you to interact in different ways with the scenarios um there's also in certain later kind of packs they give you cards that maybe make certain encounters in previous campaigns a bit easier to deal with so um yeah do you know what because i don't own two two core sets that that's one of the things with kind of arkham is they always say if you can buy two core sets because it gives you a good range of cards to build from when you first start because i don't have that kind of um two core sets i've had to kind of supplement a lot of the cards with the newer cards that are coming in um i don't think i'm lacking anything it's been more interesting to kind of deck build around those restrictions um what one of the things that you maybe you're not as aware of down but maybe you are i don't know um is that fantasy flight have actually released a taboo list for their cards is basically cards that they've actually increased the XP oh, right, cost okay. of because they're too popular. So things like Machete, where it was a staple in decks before, they've actually increased the amount of XP it costs to include oh, right. that in your deck to try and kind of like cycle them out of being kept as standard cards. Like they're becoming too good um, compared to newer things okay, that are coming out. But- um, I, this, this kind of goes into the whole model... Um, Oh, what was the game we were talking about earlier? Oh, like Guild Ball, where they were literally stuck in this dead end where they'd release something new and everyone would be like, well, that's not efficient because I could just take these other things previously been released. And I think this is Fantasy Flight's way of trying to be like, well, we'll just increase the amount of pips that something costs. Um, they do a couple of different ways. So first, they try and um, increase the amount of XP a card costs. The other way that they do it is to... Um, reduce the amount of them that you can take in your deck okay interesting um so there's the number of ways that they're trying to balance the game and make sure you're seeing the new interesting cards come into play which i think is you're not finding having cards from cycle the cycle like if you're playing let's say don't watch legacy and you'll have a card from um uh, path to kakosa or whatever uh you're not finding it a problem like having that card that's a a cycle ahead or two cycles ahead or anything like that i i don't think so okay, at this cool. stage That's um, good to know. and again i've tried to build the yeah I, I mean you definitely some of it feels a bit weird right so there are some cards that you can take like time worn brand i think it is or i think that's what it's called it's like some kind of um forgotten age style um aztec weapon that's like 4 XP and it just feels a bit out of place oh. if you were using it in Dunwich, right? Because it's kind of this big Aztec thing you meant to find in the oh, Forgotten Age. Or like, you know, we talked a bit like, well, yeah, well, maybe, maybe you could. But I, I don't know. Like, 
I, I try to in balance it internally myself as well. There's some new mechanics as well that'd be interesting to see how they play within the kind of earlier campaigns. So some of the new cards and some of the new characters um, use things called blessings and curses. And effectively what these are is additional tokens that go into the bag to give you either a plus two or a minus two on your next draw. So let's say, for example, I was doing a test um, and I pull out a blessing that gives me plus two. I then have to pull another token from the chaos bag, but I'm getting plus two to the value of my skill nice. test. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, would that change how some of the earlier scenarios play out? Maybe, but I'm not playing arkham like a hardcore arkham kind of fan in terms of i know it in and out i kind of like go that character looks cool i'll build an yeah. interesting deck around yeah, them if, and see where it comes anything, it sounds see, like know. it just makes you more i go back to the older campaigns and go through them again with a totally different character like the, the more it's just one of those things i suppose the more cycles you get the more playability you get throughout the entire game that you brought into so yeah sounds Sounds good. Yeah, and do, and do you know what as well? Go, going back to revisit some of the campaigns, I've completely forgotten some of the kind oh, yeah, of story yeah. arcs or kind of like what happens. So it's nice to do that, I think. And I think you will have that kind of longevity out of Arkham. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been great fun. And I, I love the franchise. And they've done a really great job with it. And it's a good game to play with someone else. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can convince my wife to play. But uh, not, 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 not sure. I'm <laughs> not sure it's for her. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a problem with the theme. Good stuff. Are you going to answer anything else, Adam? Adam, have you going um, to anything else? Yeah, so well, we, we played some Marvel the other day, didn't we? We we took on Ultron in yeah, Marvel. Yeah, we played the a couple Campions of games of Marvel, haven't we? Yeah, yeah we did. Um, we, yeah, who did you play in that again? I was Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man. Um, Iron good old Man, Tony yes. Stark. Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, want, yeah, do you want to talk about it, that or shall I? Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, no, we can both talk about All it. Right, well, so, yeah, you, you start. <laughs> well, is the, is it the only? That's the second time I played. First time I played as Doctor Strange. Um, yeah, which is the last as, episode, I think. Yep. So this time I played as Iron Man, which was cool. So his kind of like ability was kind of using tony stark to kind of develop all his cool weapons technology and equip that and then flip to iron man and make use of it so iron man's when you're is when you're playing as iron man so all the cards flip and they have like an alter ego state so that's like tony stark and then iron man so if whilst you're in tony stark state you have certain abilities and you can do different things than when you're in iron man form iron man has like a deck a hand size of one to begin with <laughs> compared to Tony Stark that has like a hand size of six. Um, but eat for each piece of tech you get out and equip to Tony or your character, it increases the hand size by one when you're Iron Man. So you basically got to get out all of his tech and equip it to him. And I think, um, yeah, it was really good fun. I think it ended in like a really good showdown where we caused an absolute obscene amount of damage to Ultron um, in the last turn. Um, yeah. It was, I think we put out about 50 damage or something in that one turn. It was turn. We something were... ridiculous like that. I've never seen so. I didn't think that was possible, that amount of damage. But yeah, that's the second time we've played it with four people. And it was a lot of fun. Like I've played a lot of it two-player with my wife. And that's good fun. But there's a, a lot less room for error. And I'd almost say, because there's four subclasses, 
you don't get to see them all really there's only two that you should really take i think to make the game easier i think on yourself is just to take the aggression and the justice subclasses so aggression is obviously dealing damage and justice is all about stopping the scheming and like thwarting the schemes so if you take either of the other two you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because you can't then manage the threat level or the the bad guy just runs away with it and you can't do enough damage to him quickly enough so it's good to play four players and actually see those other two classes come into play because the leadership and protection can be quite good like the, the things they allow you to do which is you know you might be able to reuse certain allies multiple times in a turn or deflect deflect damage and just you know, protect your allies and things like that it's really handy so yeah I, i've really enjoyed playing it four players i think over two I, I would definitely prefer to play it four players more often i think it's, it's definitely the uh the most fun way of playing it i think not that i don't enjoy two players but it gives you more scope i think with four yeah there's definitely a lot more support that kind of goes around the group and you can kind of like help each other out and it's the same as arkham really the more players you have the kind of the more i i'm not i wouldn't say skill overlap but you can kind of cross pollinate different abilities so you can have like blended characters that can do a bit of everything Mm. um and they work really well and synergize with one another um so yeah it was it was good it was great to see um and yeah i enjoyed it be great to play another game of that soon um i guess the other thing that we've done recently it would be good to talk about was we actually the three of us we played um a few games on was it board game arena Board game arena yes yeah did indeed yeah so we played um seven wonders and cult express before you go too much into detail do we want to explain for the listener what board game arena is yep oh it's some (laughs) website (laughs) yeah there you go that's all you need to know yeah it's a web so board game arena is uh, an online uh well yeah platform basically that allows you to play board games with other people remotely um it's not as uh broad i guess as tabletop simulator in the tabletop simulator a lot of people have made mods for that for pretty much any game you can think of but it is not that intuitive or user friendly whereas board game arena has a more limited set of games to play but they're really well implemented and they do a lot of the kind of calculations and things for you so all you need to do is know how to play you don't necessarily need to know how to score and things like that because the the Mm. program will do it for you but yeah so what did we play again adam sorry you started to talk and i talked over you that's all right lee just you have your moment you have your time are you done <laughs> yeah are you I'm, sure I'm done. you're done yes you want me to explain o- over to you <laughs> you sure yes I'm, I'm, I'm i can give you more time if you need it no no i'm good no you carry on all right fine <laughs> so the first game we played was seven wonders and actually this is the first time i've played this game mm. um and i really enjoyed it i found it was really intuitive to play through the board game arena website um, it does a lot of the kind of scorekeeping and counting for you, which I think was super, super useful. Um, it also kind of guides you through your actions in 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 a broad sense. So like it makes it clear which things in your hand you can and can't select from. So you're kind of almost like able to quickly push those cards aside that you, you don't really or you can't make use of in, in a turn. Um, and it also gives you a little tech tree down below that kind of shows you all of the little kind of like um prerequisites for some of the end game tech um and in all fairness i think it probably cut our game time down from something that usually takes about 60 minutes to play in person down to about 20 minutes a game Mm. um 
so we got quite a few. Well, I think we got three games of that in in the end. Um, but oh, did we yeah, play I three games? So. I think I we played three, three or four, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I don't know what, how you, how you felt. Yeah, I, I mean, Darren, I, I, it's, it's one of those games that I I played like a couple of years ago and really enjoyed. Um, never got around to buying for some reason, but it's a really fun game. And um, it's it's relatively quick. Cause we used to play it in lunchtime at my old work, which is quite nice. Um, but I I think it's really nice that it does, like you say, do the calculations because you've got an idea of where you stand and everyone else sort of. I mean, there's like end of game scoring like in every Euro game, <laughs> but, but but you know, um, at least it gives you an idea because otherwise it's quite hard to keep track. Um, but yeah, it's it's really f- fun, easy game to get on with, and yeah, definitely definitely good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it actually. It's I've never played it before either, like you, Adam, and I just I was a bit like, oh, am I going to enjoy this? But actually, it's it seems to be that I I seem to enjoy set collection style <laughs> games. It seems I've, I've I've discovered a love for them, so I'm like, oh yeah, I actually did really enjoy it. And yeah, like you say, because it calculates it all for you. I think sometimes that can take half the time, like actually working out what to do and how much you've scored from it, which obviously this just works it all out for you it's brilliant it's going to make oh, yeah. us really lazy gamers when we get back to playing in person again yeah but like, oh god we'll, we'll just take laptops around and <laughs> yeah. sit there and play like board games oh maths easier oh, oh tokens oh just get yeah. your laptop i out. mean i must admit if there's one thing i would improvement i would like is that your purple cards which are in the third age which are like these uh guilds that are really specific and have cr- like loads of like conditions of how many points they are worth I'd love it if they told you if I got this card, what how many points would I get? Because on that that age, I'm almost always looking at the purple cards, going, "Is this total rubbish or is it absolute gold to me? I have no idea. I have to, I have to spend some time working <laughs> out." Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's just being lazy. <laughs> uh, didn't we also play Colt Express as well? Yeah, <laughs> choo choo, Thomas. That one. Yes. It was great fun. Again, really, really well implemented, I thought. But I find it harder in that because I, I actually played uh, I played it again just this weekend, just gone with a couple of other friends and trying to remember what other people have put down because it flicks past so quickly. It's a lot harder than when you're playing it in person and you can sort of go, OK, I remember they played that and I remember they played this, whereas I just found digitally it's a lot harder to remember. So programming your actions became insanely difficult i found i couldn't wrap my head around it i don't know how you felt i must have i was not paying too much attention to what right. other people were doing <laughs> so, focus on what you need to do it. focus on uh, and, and maybe throw a punch now and again and and then <laughs> maybe, maybe it works out for you but yeah like you know that's the so i've only played Colt express once before so just for, for the listeners that don't know what Colt express is Colt express is a um it's like a competitive train heist game whereby you're all doing a bit of bluffing whilst also trying to kind of collect points on this like 3D carriage um, that you're moving through these different carriages and you do that by playing action cards but you play them maybe face up or face down and then you run through them in the order in which you place them so you build this like deck almost. It's sort of action programming isn't it yeah. Uh, and it's a really interesting mechanic because I can't think of any other games that kind of use that that I've played before. No. Unless I... you guys can think of anything. Nothing that springs to mind. 
Hmm. I, th- I think I think maybe um, a game called Robo Rally. Uh, I think might have had something yeah, similar. No, but you're right. It does. Um, I have heard of that. Yeah, it's it's in, it's it's a cool way of doing things. Though it just leads to total chaos, and as you forget what you've already yeah. put down, and you know have no idea what anyone else is really up to because you haven't been t- paying attention. And it's like oh, I've, I've like... chosen the shoot card, but there's no one in range, so you just like shooting shoot in the, the air. Wall. Yeah. <laughs> shoot the wall. Oh no, the sheriff's coming. What are you going to do? Punching thin air. Like <laughs> yeah. there was one, wasn't it? Like someone got caught by the sheriff. And then he went up onto the roof, and then they went next, and they went basically back down into the carriage. Yeah, again. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a it's a, it's yeah. a good fun game. Um, it and is. again, it just is so quick to play. You can get through mm. three or four games, yeah. and I think that's what's nice about um, board game arena. There, there are some crunchier games on there, but um, we played some fairly light ones. I, they do have um, terraforming Mars, and I've always wanted to play that. It's such Ooh. a highly rated game. Maybe well. we should play that at one point. In the aren't we aren't we uh, scheduling a meetup later this week? Why don't we play it then? Yes, yes, we can do. Read, read, read the rules and uh, oh, I'll, I'll, read the rules. I'll, I'll follow along. Yeah. <laughs> Terraforming Mars. I'd have to see what else is on Board Game Arena. Actually. There's a lot, actually. Yeah, I, like I said, I was playing it yesterday with some friends, and I ended up buying a premium membership for a couple of months just to get the full like list because we played a few games on there as well. But I'll talk about that in a minute. Nice. Well. I think I'm done in terms of what I've been up to. So, should we move over to Darren? Should we see what he's been up to? Darren, you've disappeared for months. What have you been up to in the back cave? Yeah. Mourning the loss of Transformers trading card game, clearly. Yeah, that, yeah, that's been pretty sad actually. We haven't have a game since either. No, we need to. It's a bit, I, I don't know what I don't know what we're doing. I mean, there's also Darren this, had constructed um, a pyre in his garden. He was just burning all of his cards <laughs> here. Exactly, it's dead to me now. I burn it all, <laughs> even even my Grimlock card. <laughs> Not Grimlock. Twenty five pound cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there, there's actually a cool fan based um, mod where you go up against Unicron, which looks really cool. And uh, I'd like to get that the cards printed off of that at some point and give that a go but so there's still some life in the game you know but uh it's definitely a shame um mm. definitely a shame uh but uh, other than that i did get a game of death may die in uh with my wife which was quite fun and um we played the mission where you basically have to go and round up all the uh suspicious fishy looking townsfolk and um get them on the boat before uh, they get sacrificed to was- to bring Kafu forward, so was that um, the one we played? I think we yeah, played this with one. The, is it like a yeah, lighthouse or yeah. something? Isn't there? Is it lighthouse? Yeah, yeah, yeah there is. Yeah, so, yeah. We we would we did terrible, <laughs> but this time I basically was like, okay, we need these skills and we'll be okay, mm-hmm. and we were. So, <laughs> so, so this is the so, um, just just for my recollection, it was uh, wasn't it a Kickstarter you went in on? Yeah, it's a Kickstarter. Yeah, 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 and it's um. It's kind of a it's kind of a dungeon ex- explorer kind of trawler. Mm. I don't know. It feel it doesn't quite feel quite like one of those. Um, really, I, I would, it's very fighty though. I would say it's a dungeon trawler. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. It's for, it's for very fighty, especially for an Arkham game. I've never seen an Arkham game as fighty as that. <laughs> you normally don't do uh, anywhere near as much. Uh, <laughs> You know, running around. Why is this priest killing all these Cthulhu? guys? He should be on the floor in like in tears. <laughs> Watch out! It's the guy with the trumpet. Yeah. He's coming for you, Jim Culver, just <laughs> battering <laughs> people with his instrument. 
<laughs> it is weird as well because you you actually get more powerful the more insane you get as well. So, um, so there's this very delicate balance of that. You ideally, right at the end of the game, you want to be just a just beyond insanity, just before insanity, so you get as powerful as possible. Everyone hulks out, or you just go mad. It's been soaked yeah. in gamma rays. <laughs> And they're just like they're just yeah. about to roid burst out of their shirts and just punch everything to death. That's what it is, isn't it? And it is. It is. It, it does make quite a difference, but it, it's, it's 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 a bit of a crazy game. Uh, I think it's nice to have something different on in the sort of Ark and Lovecraft genre. Um, you know, it's just totally different to Arkham horror card games. That sort of game. Um, but yeah, so I've got a game of that. In, and we did actually play a game of 40k as well oh you did uh, i'm intrigued to hear about this yeah i actually played a couple on tabletop similar as well which um is is not that bad although sometimes it does feel like you spend a lot of time trying to just pick up models <laughs> and not drop them <laughs> which uh, in real life isn't such a problem and unfortunately in tabletop similar it's your number one issue <laughs> it's kind of like successfully move my model <laughs> just press the plus and minus um, keys to make all the models a like, little bit bigger than your opponents as well just for the intimidation factor oh yeah if, if, if yeah. <laughs> well you know if they're hiding behind cover you just like up the size a bit until you can see them that's the uh, <laughs> pro trick there <laughs> darren's pro 40k tips <laughs> make yes. everything big <laughs> Yeah, well, that's why he's buying all these like second edition Tyranids because they're actually really small compared to like any of the other <laughs> versions of these models. They are tiny. He's for advantage, guys. Get him. Get him. You wait till you see my square bases. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> the OG bases they came on. Oh, you should totally keep them. <laughs> square yeah. bases. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, that's been actually really good. I've, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, basically, I played um, played games of different um, I don't know what sort, sort of types of guess. Point values um, or sizes or what? So I mean, um, for different purposes. Like I had a friend from Reddit who wanted a competitive game, so I played a competitive game. But against Adam, played a really like fluffy game. Mm. And in both ways, we because we talked about what we wanted beforehand. I think it actually really worked okay. and actually was like, oh, it's nice actually if you try to share your list and sort of talk about what you think the game is going to be like, um, it actually worked fine. In both games were really tight and um, good fun for both players, I think. And um, yeah, so I think that's really important though with 40k, like if you if you got to try and get the right power level yourself a bit more than other war games that I'm used to. Mm. Um but if you do it, it can be a lot of fun. And it was good to see the Tyranids on the table. They haven't been out for many, many years, I think. Uh, actually, actually, no, no, actually, I did get a game of eighth, didn't I, in, against the, uh, the, um, the, not Death Guard, what are Death, they? Oh, Death yeah, Watch. yeah, we played one last year, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was good fun. And um, it's actually inspired me to um, do some modelling, um as in <laughs> as, yeah, a game, game actually game, <laughs> game not, not, in that, not in that bikini that you got behind there Dan. Yeah. <laughs> is that just for work yes. purposes just the fr- Friday work outfit yeah. casual Friday <laughs> so um, I've been I've been stalking on eBay to try and hunt down some old Tyranids and uh, build up my army and, and just do some painting and brought a load of new plastic sets as well because they're really fun and uh cool models i'm gonna build um, those jeans so yeah. for you mate if you don't get around to it 
I'll just, I'll just well, do it. Well, I, I would. It's a building commission there if you want one. <laughs> Cause, uh, just pay for the glue and I'll do it. I don't it. care. Like. <laughs> <laughs> the big monsters, I quite happily do, but the, the vehicles, oh my god, that took me about three weeks to put that vehicle together. Uh, <laughs> if you want them built, it. send them my way. <laughs> yeah, I might have to do that. Um, but yeah, so it, it is mostly been. Um, yeah, hobby time. I've I've painted up a lot of Bushido, and I paint, I'm painting up a lot of Tyrannids now, and um, yeah, just getting my armies ready for whenever I game. So, Do you know? Yeah. It's it's nice to go back to kind of um, plastic miniatures actually, because I found it's a lot easier to kind of convert them up and chop into them. But after playing several years of metal miniatures, whilst you get more fidelity in the detail. I think you lose that flexibility and being able to be like, I'm just going to chop this off and put this on here. And, you know, you can make some relatively varied kind of stuff out of it. You can still do it with the metal stuff, but I think the the plastic has more flexibility in that. It's less of a worry if you drop a plastic figure. Like if you drop a metal figure, that is like spreading itself over a wide area (laughs) while you pick everything up and like repair the paintwork. Whereas a plastic one, you might get a bend or a snap, but that's probably about it. I think for me, I I just I don't get on very well with the new plastic sets because they just take it a year to put each one together. <laughs> so many parts, you know, and they're not interchangeable most of the time either. So you've got to go through the guide and be really, really specific on what you put together. And I, I does my it does my head in a bit to be honest with you. I, I kind of I'm not a big fan of That's... it. Um, whereas my metal ones, I just smash them together and you know really quick and. Yeah, you know, use Gorilla Glue and they don't they don't break very often. This is true. That that is one downside, I guess, of the the increased like detail and poses that they've come up with on the plastic stuff is that you can't make very many of your own poses. You're right. They they won't interchange as much as the old sort of multi part plastics used to back in our day when we were, yeah, when we were younger. Yeah. But I think on yeah. the whole... Oh, I still like those single-part plastics. They were the best. Oh, that was the, the pinnacle. The flat, <laughs> okay. Yeah, the flat, like, Chaos Warriors with like, the, both weapons out yeah. to either side. It's like, he's not guarding anything there, is he? He's just standing there like a statue. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were pretty special. <laughs> <laughs> they were indeed. Oh, good stuff. So are you liking 9th edition 40k, then, on the whole? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's a decent edition. Um, it's... I think it's um, it's got a lot of good stuff. A uh, little, little bit concerned about, I suppose, um, how powerful Marines are at the moment. I think they might need reining in to make it um, a little bit easier on everyone else. But uh, I think the actual rules are really good. And I think what they've done with the Codex are, uh, is actually really good. Like, um, if you what I've seen of both the Necron and Chaos, uh, sorry, Space Marine Codex is they've actually done a really good job on them. Like the what they present, how they presented it, the amount of information in them, um, it looks really good. Good, and they've like the Necrons have some really interesting things. Like they have these uh, protocols that they go through in different turns, and it's like lots of flavor that you feel like mm. they're trying to add to the army to make it really feel distinct. And um, yeah, I, re- I really like that. I think if every army gets that level of treatment, I think we'll have lots of really great codexes and great interesting armies to play with so yeah it's, it could be a really good addition so i'm still hopeful yeah good stuff i i i, ref, yeah. I refute the marines being overpowered thing but <laughs> no no i think in, in the in the 
I'm not going to say in the right hands because I think you're a fluffy gamer and like where you've kind of built your force up, you intentionally don't go for the power combos. Mm. But I think you you don't have to look too hard in the marine book to find some pretty like decent combos in there that you can like double down on. And I think there's a lot of people who play casual competitive and that's the kind of stuff you end up facing mm. but the game i had against like darren the other day it was definitely a casual game we all took a ver- like we both took a variety of units and it felt different and like it it was just and even playing your marines it was like that i definitely didn't feel like i had that experience against jay's um uh what are they called the custodes, custodes. just because literally everything i was rolling it was like everything's toughness five and a three up invulnerable or with like seven wounds or whatever so it can be a bit kind of it felt too lucky for me i was like literally rolling does hoping that he would fail some armor saves rather than being able to be like oh that's got armor too but i can you know shoot something at it that's got high ap to reduce it you just don't have that option so you're kind of like just going through the motions but you know i've had some good games everything does seem like i like the objective focus stuff um yeah and and that's that's what i've enjoyed about the game so far um like like you yeah, were saying I think, Darren, I think the omissions sorry no no just like you kind of doubling down on what you were saying really in terms of um what you see in the current codex is hopefully they really kind of envelop those themes of the armies in the future codexes so my my biggest hope is with the eldar they really like nail that psychic phase and make them feel like the most powerful psychers in in the galaxy um just like they make kind of marines feel like these kind of like super soldier elite warriors that are just impossible to put down and they can hunker down on a point and it's really difficult to get them off it and like um you know necrons that kind of protocols the reanimation stuff the kind of the the endless hordes of like reanimated metal corpses coming towards you it's kind of like pretty scary stuff um i think the yeah i think if they bring that sort of level of character to each of the armies it will be a really interesting addition it'd be good to see like the next codex other than the marine supplement books is uh death guard so the nurgle like chaos space marines so it'd be interesting to see if they follow through with that that'll give us a good gauge for what the other races will get i suppose because obviously Space Marines yeah. and Necrons are like the box set armies for this edition, so they're going to get a bit more of a a showering of, of of stuff, like you know, new kits and things. But hopefully, they yeah, like you say, they follow through on the other codexes. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic because GW do seem to have turned a bit of a corner compared to you know when we ducked out years ago, and I've said it multiple times on this podcast. They their whole attitude now is so much better than it was back when we stopped i think so well they they actually do take quite a lot of notice about mm. what's what happening on the tournament scene and things like that i mean it's, it's it's you can kind of see it but but because um their uh like feedback loop if you like is really really slow so like um centurions are terrible now <laughs> because they were really good about nine months ago mm. and but they they probably nerfed them too much to be honest but like it's they do get round to it basically and, and I, I what i might what i imagine um because I, I think there's no, I, don't, I think there's no getting away from the fact games which obviously um, make models appealing to sell more, yeah. and I imagine they'll want to shift a lot of the new space green stuff because that's all really good. That's where the real power units are at the moment, and once they've sold enough of them over for three or six months, I've, I think they'll kind of tone them down mm. a bit. So, 
And that's my prediction anyway. Well, we'll they, see. Um, they sort of committed to doing is it every six months is like a bit of a rebalance, a bit like Fantasy Flight do with like mm. X-Wing and Legion and, and all their other games. And they seem to have stuck to that quite well. So I think it's every September and every March, April time they get they, they'll put out like the big suite of FAQs and any points adjustments and that. And they did that all through eighth for like what's that two three years. So fingers crossed they yeah. do it for ninth and- as well. Yeah, and it's, it definitely does make an impact. It's because I always find it really funny the people that like chase the meta. Mm. It's like as soon as something goes down in points, they're going buying max number of them, and then they're one update away from having you know nine Lehman Roths, which are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. You know, mad. the amount that I was looking today because I want to expand my Death Watch next year, and I was like, okay, well I want a couple of transports, and I was like, what will that be? That'll be like forty quid, right, for two tanks. No, they're forty pounds each now. So that's eighty pounds to get two transports, which are essentially that, rhinos, wow. but they they're anti grav rhinos now. So, you know oh. that, that technology costs. <laughs> All you need is an old rhino and a flight stand. Yeah, I did contemplate <laughs> that. It's crazy though. Like, you know, I was looking at this the other day and thinking, oh, you know, that's that's expensive um, because I think the the new monolith is like a monolithic cost. It's huge, isn't it? Um, but. In the grand scale, like we've we've talked about this before, Lee, it it doesn't come. I think a lot of people look at it at face value, value being like one model, um, or, or look at it and be like, oh, well, that's amount of plastic and it's not worth that. But the amount of design time mm. and effort that's gone into produce that, yeah. And actually, there's a really limited scope for the amount of monoliths you're actually gonna sell within the community. It's not like a squad of tactical marines where everyone's gonna buy maybe four or five boxes and you can have a lot of marine players. Mm. There is a finite amount of Necron players and they will probably not buy three monoliths each. Um, so they'll probably have like maybe one in their army. You'll get the dedicated people that have multiple. But there's they've got to recoup their cost for creating that mould somewhere and putting mm. all of that design effort and time into it. So I think, you know, the, the older I get, the more I realise the kind of value that's being created and kind of gone yeah. into design that. And it, it, it does deserve that cost. Um, yeah i wholeheartedly agree actually i watched a video a few weeks back um blackjack legacy is a youtuber that i follow he um he put in a uh he did a live stream and he discussed it and basically yeah the the amount of you know even stuff like mundane stuff like packaging design shipping etc when you factor all of that in actually 40 quid for a tank isn't that bad and i guess if you look at it from our point of view as well the amount of like time and, and fun i will get out of that of building the thing, painting it, then putting it on the table. You know, I'll still get many, many hours of it. And if you if you boil that down to our old cinema adage, isn't it? If you pay £10 for a cinema ticket and you're there for like two hours, that's, you know, you're getting way more value for money by buying a couple of tanks, right? For 80 quid at the end of the day when you when you tot it up that way. So, yeah, I, I don't begrudge it. I'm just like, oh, that was, that was a bit more than I was <laughs> expecting to spend. But... Yeah, thankfully, I don't chase any metas, so I'm not, like, yeah. buying, you know, four boxes of Centurions to then find they got nerfed into oblivion or whatever. <laughs> I think that's the key, isn't it? And I, I don't I don't know why people... Well, they do it because they want to be the person that's the that's winning all of the games in their, in their club or be seen as, like, the mm. most competitive player. But, like, 
I, I think if you're a tournament player, I can kind of see it. If you're really yeah. into the tournament scene, you want to keep up to date. It's it's kind of like a addictive hobby. Like then you're like, I oh, just get whatever's good, and hmm. you know, probably get someone else to paint it up quickly, and you know, I can kind of see the appeal, but um, it's not for me. But, yeah, for some people that is you know. their fun, though, isn't it? It's like they, you know, they go out and they will play the game with, you know, the, whatever the best army list is available to them, which is yeah, yeah, it's not for me. It's not for what, many of us. What I but... don't get at the moment is all the kind of like. I know Harlequins are doing quite well, but again, like Custodes, yeah. they're not a proper army. They're like no, I, lo- I actually I love Harlequins. I, I like Harlequins them. are a proper they second nice, army, but I don't great. think they're actually an army. I think they're like supplementary <laughs> units to a bigger supplementary army. units yeah. to a bigger army. Yeah, like yeah. they're like a sectoral, they, but like even more they, niche because you probably have yeah, they, three or four different units and just times them by three in your lists. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the um, I guess that's the interesting thing about them because depending on how powerful those units are, it's like most of the army is made up of one or two units. So if you if you nerf one of them, the army will be Crumble. really go down quite quickly. I mean, I think they basically were are really powerful at the moment because they've got really good stratagems, and now they have a ton of command points to use them. Um, so they're actually really doing well. They're actually beating a lot of marine players. So I love them. I'm all for them. <laughs> so it's more wounds, buy an army. It? like all the haywire. They should have wounds or something. Probably, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only on vehicles, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, joking jo- jo- aside, I like them because uh, when I first started playing, that was the sort of army that you'd get in what they call journals. Like Citadel the journal, yeah. Journal. Good God, yeah. I remember that. So, yeah, they're sort of like with the Keen Stiller cults. And they're sort of like the obscure stuff that was like, you have to really be into it to go out of your way to get that army by probably buying like Harlequins and them doing lots of conversions and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's what that's why I kind of appreciate that sort of those type of armies. Them and Adepticus Mechanicus and Gene Stiller cult, they're all kind of oddities that have been around since the start, but... Um, actually, only only relatively recently, have got some good plastic model kits, which I actually really like. The fact Games Workshop have gone back to that rather than going and then reinventing stuff myself. So, mm. the Gene Steeler cult stuff is absolutely lovely. I think if I was ever, if I was forced at gunpoint to get a Xenos army that was different, <laughs> I think that would be. Oh, it. Darren's got one that he's probably going to sell. <laughs> No, no, I'll keep it. I'll keep it. <laughs> no, I'm not buying a second. I haven't like you with can get your Adeptus Mechanicus then down and be super competitive with all your Mars robots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, actually, I, I smashed them apart with my Tranit, so I don't think oh, they're that nice. good anymore. Yeah. Like <laughs> if no, money were no joking. object, I think I would have an Admech army because they are really nice. But I don't want one. I don't want two armies, and two, I wouldn't want a second Imperial army. I just don't see the point. Yeah, I think I think it'd be good to have a, at least one Xenos army going around mm. uh, in your collection. Um, I mean, I, I have never collected an Imperial army before, so I, I, I am still tempted by them. Um, but I don't know. I I I've, I just felt like I'd expand on my Tyrannids this year, and so I've just gone and ordered. A, well, I've just brought a load of them and been getting bits and bobs off eBay because most of my stuff's old school, uh, which is it's actually been a bit problematic because. Um, when I decided to make an old school army back in the day, they weren't buying that old. old models. <laughs> well, yeah, they weren't that old for one thing. Yeah, this is probably about ten years ago at least that I started this army, and so yeah, like even even then, to be fair, some of the models were still quite old. But um, yeah, a lot of my old models in my army are like get uh, like f- over twenty years old, 
So, and now they're getting really hard to track down mm. without paying quite a lot of money for them. So it's actually, um, it's actually uh, getting a bit tougher to uh, expand on it. But, um, you know, I, I still keep on trying to keep to the old school theme whilst I can. Sensible stuff. Once uh, once COVID's over with, you'll have to get back on the car boot sales, Darren. That's where you find all that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. Scouring I, I around. Think what what have you too... found, Darren? I'll give you a pound for this. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are wised up to it. And I think um, there's a lot of people on eBay that will pick up old models, strip them, and then sell the parts, actually, as well, for mm. ridiculous money. So, so people are making quite a lot of money out of old, old models. They've realised that's a, a thing that's worth doing. So it's really hard to get a good deal on a... Uh, older stuff now and it is you actually look at it and yes like some of the models i've got are i think 32 years old Jesus. and other ones are about 20 odd so they're really they're relics you know <laughs> so it's like a trial museum that's the way i look at it it's like <laughs> so yeah <laughs> but um, it's good fun anyway cool cool so what have what have you been up to lee i think we've heard from me and darren but what are, what have you been playing Recently, um, that we haven't covered that we haven't covered so i'll just i'll while we're on the 40k train i've been playing a lot of the crusade style 40k and i really like that i it's it's what i've always wanted out of 40k which is a more structured narrative in that mm-hmm. you've got kind of rules that don't require masses of bookkeeping and it turns the game into a bit more of an rpg it's like we're not playing to win we're just playing out a story so Myself and Jay have written a little bit of a back narrative for our games in that my watchmaster runs around with a guardian spear, which he liberated off of some custodies. He claims it was gifted to him as the as the custodian's dying wish. Jay's custodians don't believe us, so they're trying to get this their spear back. So it's been quite fun playing like cat and mouse games, and I've had games where they've he's literally been trying to chase down my watchmaster to steal the spear, and I'm like, no, I've got to keep this guy alive. So I can even pick an objective, which is keep this selected model alive at the end of the game and you'll earn some extra XP and stuff like that. So it's been really funny being able to do that. And also getting a new marine book last week has been even better because I'm now no longer the redheaded stepchild of the Space Marine chapters <laughs> and can actually have... Oh, they let you in the codex? Yeah, I actually oh my get... God. I, I still get a supplement book as well next month, which is even better, but I actually get to play what? with all the new toys that all the Space Marines get. So that's good. Ridiculous. Big boys. Um, <laughs> other games that I've been playing, I've uh, been playing a lot of RPGs actually recently. We, myself and Adam, we joined uh, John's new Fantasy Age, which is the adventure game system uh, RPG. He's He's been running that and we've, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, it was a test really because apparently we're going to record the, the actual plays and release those. Not under the average gamers banners, I should say, but we will publicise it on here. Um, and I created a, a character called Tink, or which uh, his full name is Tink uh, Taylor, because he is a tailor <laughs> and he is a robot. And you had Galen, what was it? Fireball? No. What was his name, Adam? Uh, Galen Ember Heart or Ember Shard or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Galen was his name. And then I just got ripped for calling him Galen for the entire game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That was good fun. Yeah, it's a really, really fun system actually because it's it's so simple. Like you only ever need three d six, and then all of your stats are just modifiers to whatever you roll. So if you roll three dice and get a fifteen, and you add your modifier or you know minus your modifier depending on what it is, 
and that's that's your result and it, it just keeps things flowing a lot quicker i think it makes the game run really well and it also helps that john is a really good gm he, he's very good at you know embodying each of the npcs you get and you kind of you start to believe that he is this npc and things so it's, that's been good fun um i also finished off the second adventure for my non-gamer friends with for star wars keep calling them the non-gamers we play as many yeah. games with them they, as we they, do they're blatantly gamers yeah they are they are they just won't admit it so yeah we finished off that which closet, was good closet games yeah that was good fun so they've had two full adventures now in the star wars universe and they're itching for more i'm told so i need to write another one um oh gloomhaven that has been that has been the uh, the most regular one i've played actually as well I'm really getting into that now we're we're about seven or eight missions in and the the kind of story is it's not an amazing story it's it's still intriguing and there's a little bit of the plot starting to thicken up now but i think mainly it's just playing it and, and seeing the legacy elements like on the map we're like unlocking more things so we're sticking more stickers on the big map and there's now a sprawling world on what was once a blank map with just gloomhaven on it now you've got like all these other like areas you can go to and it, it feels very much like a computer game rpg in that if you hit a mission and you're like oh we're getting absolutely smacked around here so you go off and do a side mission and level up a bit and then come back to it and that's <laughs> been good fun it's been a lot of fun and how are you how are you finding the kind of deck mechanics because i think you mentioned on a previous podcast you were struggling a bit with it how are you finding it now a couple of missions i'm in? more used to it i still have had a couple of instances where i so the way it works is you have your hand of cards and each character has a different starting hand size so mine has 12 which is loads compared to everyone else and certain you, you play your cards you play two cards each turn and you do the top half of one card and the bottom half of another and that might be a move and a shoot or a move and a swing with your sword or it might be some special action if you do the special action a lot of the time or especially with my character that card then goes into a basically a burn pile and you won't get it back that game so the problem i have with my character is that a lot of my cards are one use for that game so if i want to do all my good abilities i start running out of cards quite quickly so i have to kind of learn and i have to teach myself to dial back on that a little bit and maybe not go as hardcore early on save it for late game and i i still would prefer that because even if you don't so say i i don't use any of the one use abilities and i get all my cards into my discard pile when you draw that discard pile back up you still have to discard one so no matter what game you play you will always run out run lower on cards by the end so that is maybe the one thing i don't like i think if you if you just spend your cards and don't use the one uses you should get them back but it's a minor thing and there's you can play the game around it so it's not a huge deal it's just a, a minor bugbear of mine but yeah w once you're kind of used to that i think it's fine i just need to get used to it <laughs> but it, it is really good fun and i'm looking forward to like be because we we none of us have any clue of what's coming up you know john's been really good and not read through the campaign book we've not looked at any guides online or anything like that so th there's boxes in there of like fig with figures in and character classes that we have no clue about and we won't until we get told to open them I think we'll we'll probably wait once we finish it. Finish it. I think we'll probably I'll, I'll ask him to just have a look through it anyway because I want to know. But because I, I don't necessarily know if it's one we would play. No, Lee, you can't know that stuff. It needs to be burnt on a, on a on a fire. <laughs> on principle, keep it that much legacy. On principle, <laughs> but uh, do you know what? Like legacy games are. <laughs> 
at first I was like, oh, legacy games, you know, it feels like you're kind of wasting your money on them because you can only play it a finite amount of times. Gloomhaven's different because there's about 100 mm. scenarios in the box. But um, we're playing through Betrayal Legacy with uh, Tom and Sophie, mm. our friends, and um, we're I'm loving it. It's so good. Like, it, the, the kind of the ongoing narrative that happens out of a legacy game is something that other games just don't have. It's a new experience every time you come back to the board because the things that happen, the actions and consequences of the things that you do in the first scenario impact the yeah. second and the third and the fourth. And it's just this kind of like big steamroller and it just starts to pick up speed. So we've got to the kind of halfway point in Legacy, Betrayal Legacy, and like stuff has really started kicking off and it's like oh mm-hmm. my god cool. uh, i don't want to i don't want to ruin it but it's just yeah like that it's the kind of experiences you want to talk about but you also don't want to ruin it for people who yeah, are going it's, to yeah, it's quite hard to talk I about gloomhaven sorry i Dara. think i would pick up um betrayal on that uh haunted house on the hill whatever it's called betrayal on the hill whatever <laughs> <laughs> uh whatever it's called i would i would definitely like to pick that up Gloomhaven looks really fun as well, but that's that's quite a bulky buy, isn't it? It's like a hundred and thirty, yeah, hundred something like yeah. that. It's over a hundred anyway. It's a it's a big old box, and I would say you've got to have a committed group to play it, and because mm. you kind of want to keep the momentum up. I think with that, I don't know if you played it like three times in a year, you just lose sight of everything that's gone on. I think it's we're quite lucky in that we're quite keen to play it, so. I can imagine it'd be a hard, harder sell if you couldn't get a regular game of it in. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's I one of the things I found with Imperial Assault is that it, it does hit the table and we're able to play like the automated version or the raid mode. But actually, I've not done a proper campaign in a long time. So it's like, it's one of those, unless you really keep at it and keep the momentum up, it doesn't really happen. Yeah, they're kind of games that require quite a bit of commitment, don't they? Hmm. It's like mm. it's the same with Arkham Horror, really. It's it's kind of like it's hard to have a, a pickup game of that. It's you, you have got the standalone ones, but most of the time you're looking at, hey guys, do you want to play ten missions <laughs> in a, to make a campaign? You know, um, if you want to get the most out of it, you have to be committed. But that, to be fair, that is the same true. with any Very game. True. Like if you want to get the most out of it, you have to be committed and. You know, you can buy two tanks for eighty quid, or you can buy a hundred missions of Gloomhaven for, you know, a hundred, mm. hundred and twenty pounds. Um, I'm, I'm sure you get your value out of it, however you look at it. Um, yeah, true, very true. Um, and I guess finally, I should just mention the board game arena games that I played on the weekend, which was uh, Sushi Go, which I really enjoyed, and I really want to get a, a copy of that now in a physical yeah. copy i thought it was really really good i love the artwork style as well it's that sort of cutesy kawaii like um style of, of artwork just very like cute little dumplings and tempura prawns and whatnot yeah <laughs> i mean that, that, that's the game that I, I actually gave the that as a gift to uh, my nephews and um my brother sent me a photo of them playing with basically my nephews my brother and his wife and my wife uh sorry his wife's uh parents so like mm. three generations all just playing this one game and they all had a great time apparently and it's like games like that which are like okay if you can get people that are six to 60 odd playing all around the table together i think that's a really great game to be able to do that you know mm. if it brings people together and it's it is good fun it's it's a family game uh well it's a game you can play with 
lots of different people basically and i think everyone will enjoy it almost everyone <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah we played we played that we played takaido except yeah, <laughs> except yeah you, won't, you won't enjoy that because of the art style um we also oh, played okay. takaido as well which is i mean we i've played the physical version of that with both of you and really really enjoyed that and i want to play that again I, I kind of it's one of those the artwork art style on that game is so nice i would buy it just for that but i can't really justify it i've got the um i'm still on on the kickstarter the follow-up to that oh with the boats around the island Uh, yeah cool cool with the boats yeah so yeah yeah. um a bit related to the kickstars and gloomhaven um and sort of legacy games um i don't know if you remember truck van was a a game Mm. that i got on and uh it's kind of it's got very much a living world concept that even if you play with other people you still keep the same map that everyone else has um, help create so ev- everyone who plays on it even if they've never uh, seen anyone else that's played on it before been in their games they'll still be part of the world that they've helped create hmm. um, and that's it it's like an interesting idea but unfortunately it's been delayed by a whole year because um, Simon have basically said that they're not happy enough with what how the game is at the moment which is first time so it's been a very problematic kickstarter actually I don't know if it's to do with is, is that the, the sculpts or the is actual- it the, the- the actual rules. Quality, the actual rules. rules. So I don't, I don't know if it's because of oh. Eric Lang has left, hasn't he? And uh, he was heading up that the development of the game. So I don't mm. know if he's left and now they're like, we don't really know quite how to finish this now. <laughs> so um, either that or they're like, oh, he's left. I'm not publishing Eric Lang's game. Well, they We're might do. They might, does they might be a little bit like that, doesn't it? it? There might well be more to it than um, I haven't really looked into it. Uh, but uh, it is quite a shocker because it's it's like oh so, I mean I don't I'm, I'm just gonna forget about that game one day it will appear but it won't be for many years by the sounds of it. I bet there's some people oh, absolutely yeah, yeah, about it. yeah I mean it it did feel uh, it was a bit of a surprise because it felt like the game was getting quite close to to being finalised and. Um, I think it was supposed to be delivered, actually. I think it was supposed to be delivered at the end of this year, but now it's going to be, you know, probably 2022. So, yes, you know, maybe maybe a bit earlier, but I, that's when I would actually expect it to be delivered. That'd be a nice surprise for you then. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I'm literally going to forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you like, what the One hell is this? will turn up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully by then, like the world will be back to some semblance of normality, and we'll actually be able to come and play it properly. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd love that. Good stuff. Well, I think that rounds out this section. Unless you guys have got anything more to add. Um, just one more thing about Space Marines. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk Space Marines all night, my friend. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> So for this next section then, guys, I'd like to discuss, and I, I had a thought about this a, a few weeks ago. It was, we were playing uh, we were playing a game and a couple of people around the table, I could see, were just not enjoying the theme at all. Like They, they liked how it played, but maybe the theme wasn't doing it for them. And I got to thinking, like, are there any games like that that I like enjoy playing but maybe don't like the theme? Or vice versa, maybe there's games that you know I, I love the theme of it but i just hated playing uh so i'd like to know you know if, do you guys sort of have any of those kind of games that you've you've maybe ones you played but 
you just didn't like the theme of it, but the mechanics were actually quite good, or vice versa. Who wants to take that one first? Go on, Darren. I, 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 I'll go go and step in then. I've had a game that's ha- that has had that happen to it okay. because uh, it's uh, Judge Dread Helter Skelter, and the oh. reason why I say that is because I played it and um, it got a pretty lukewarm reception. Like people didn't hate it, but they didn't really get on with it. And um, I then I played a very similar mechanically very similar game. And um, and uh, people really loved it, and I was like, okay, so it's was really the theme that seemed to be the problem on that one, and uh, I guess that just goes to show that even if you love a theme, some people don't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was the similar thing? Was, was it Wildlands? The, which um, is the same engine, basically. No, it w- it wasn't that similar. It it was basically. Um, Skulk Hollow, so uh, okay. it, it, there's some differences, but basically both games revolve around you have a, a hand of of cards that you can use to do actions, and so that is a really key core mechanic, and I, there are differences, but it just felt like people really like that game because it has nice artwork and and it's probably a bit more approachable because of that there there is there's definitely other differences but i i when i looked at it i was like these games feel really similar and um, like i think it was just the judge dread theme just didn't resonate with the other people that i was playing with okay. i think that kind of let the game down but you know that's also a th- uh, something that made me buy the game and i think made other people that i pl- have played that game with actually really enjoy it so you know right theme for the right crowd i suppose hmm how about you, Adam? You got any anything immediately springs to mind? Oh, there's a few games. I won't go into Games Workshop, but because uh, we've covered them plenty, plenty of times. <laughs> oh, okay. I will. I've got um, loads of them. But actually, the one. So I, I had a long, hard think about this before the episode, and actually, the one. I don't actually have that many games that I really dislike mechanics within, but I can see ones that like frustrate the play player experience, and the one that jumps out to me is Arkham Horror. But not the card game, the board game. So the original board game okay. had you play um, in the city of Arkham. And there is a certain mechanic within the game that effectively makes someone kind of leave the board and can spend like four or five turns trying to close a portal whilst waiting for the... Like every other player's like just trying to hold back the tide where they're like oh, come on, man, like, close this port and you can get, like, screwed over by cards in there and it just can kind of, like, shut down play. Um, and I think they fixed that when they released Eldritch Horror because they streamlined it to, like, you either close it or you don't. But I can remember just thinking that was a mm. really, I guess, frustrating mechanic within a game um, that kind of, it didn't gel well with the people playing it, I guess. Okay. Interesting. I would agree with that because I, I, I actually do have that game, but I would definitely say that's the biggest problem with it. It's um, You get taken out of the game and you'll just feel like you're doing nothing. And you have to do it. The whole aim of the game is to close portals. So, Lee, why don't you, as, as you kind of like pose this question to us, why don't you tell us what kind of games, I guess, I not frustrate you, but like games where mechanics have obviously... Um, let the theme down or the theme lets the mechanics down so when i thought about this the the biggest one that jumped to my mind and it was what you know made me think of this question after i'd seen it happen 
Uh, it would. It's. I think it would have to be Arkham Horror, the card game, because I love the way I love the way that game plays. Don't get me wrong. I love the exploration. I love the unraveling mystery and the investigation and having to like you know fight against the death clock. I love all of that. But actual Lovecraftian horror and cosmic horror just. It, I, I don't mind that aspect of it. I think what does it for me, and this is like some sort of deep-rooted thing that I have with like any story. So let me give you a bit of a background here. So I don't like stories where a child is the main protagonist, right? Because when you watch, when you read a book, you know, watch a film, whatever, you have to have a suspension of disbelief, right? So that suspension of disbelief is, okay, I'm looking at orcs and goblins on the screen and that's perfectly normal yeah they're a thing that exists but then all of a sudden a child comes along and defeats the bad guy so how competent was this bad guy then if the, if a child can defeat them it takes me out of it and for me arkham kind of does the similar thing because instead of having a crack team of you know paranormal investigators who are well versed in the dark arts and how to defeat these like evil beings you've you've got a secretary a musician, a librarian, and a teacher, and they just happen to find the right things to defeat these things or to stop this ritual or whatever. And for me, that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. I'm like, it, it just feels like they've done it by blind luck than they have done it by skill. And so that's that's probably why I don't like the theme so much of Arkham. If you were like, if you were to transpose that kind of style of game into like another theme that i was well into it would be a hundred percent for me but i think because of because of like lovecraft and you know that kind of mythos kind of style i'm not a huge fan of it so that's maybe the the biggest one for me um i think another one would be something like ticket to ride because ticket to ride lee really no it's a good game the mechanically it's it's sound right there's a reason it's so popular and it has been so popular for a long time because it's a good game but Am I into trains and train mm. travel? Yeah, uh, I struggle with that. Is it really about trains? Is it really about trains and train travel, though? No, I guess not, because it's a Euro game, and Euro games are like, uh, uh, the theme is very, very loosely connected. It's like, here's to the your mechanics. mechanics. How can we paste some sort of like theme on top of it that loosely connects it to the game that we've created? True, but it's still what you visually look at, and you start associating mm. in your head, and it, I think it's, it does matter. You know that. Do you think it matters more to us because we're war gamers as well, and we like we get deep into our kind of like background and narrative and theme, and we rely heavily on that? Whereas, like for for most people, like especially the board gaming audience, like the theme can be secondary to the kind of mechanics as long as the mechanics are core. Like, look at Monopoly. Look at how popular Monopoly is. That's effectively buying houses and that's like mm. applying for mortgages <laughs> but that's 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 not sold on that's not sold on because it's a good game or because of the theme is it really it's just i think it's just people know that name i don't think it's necessarily bought because people don't like it nobody enjoys monopoly no, literally <laughs> nobody, I, nobody plays it right i don't think well i don't know but it's i, I know what you're saying because yeah we did meet a guy and it weirded me out when we when we went to our first UK Games Expo. We got chatting to a guy in the queue, didn't we? While we were waiting to get in, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I love the kind of, I don't, you know, I don't need theme. I just like my abstract mechanics." It's like you know, so yeah, he'd be perfectly at home playing Sudoku. I would assume as, <laughs> as he would be playing anything else. But yeah, yeah, to us it was like all three of us were kind of like 
that's weird, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you, surely you need a theme, but yeah, maybe some people don't. So yeah, you're 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 I, right I mean, to a degree, Adam. Definitely. There are some games in our collection. So well, especially in my collection, let's talk about Azul because that's that's a game with I would say literally no theme. Like the theme is there as like a thin veneer painted on top, but that could have been anything really. And and the it's basically the mechanics of the game that make it work and make it popular. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess we're digressing slightly from your original question, which was games where you really enjoyed the mechanics, but the theme failed it, or the or vice versa, right? Mm. Um, so I, I've always struggled with games that are not to do with fantasy or sci-fi, and I, I think that's that is a factor of the fact that we come from war gaming of the fantasy and sci-fi variety <laughs> and you know whereas um a lot of people having a game that's about trains is relatable because you know they know what trains are <laughs> but but they don't necessarily trains aren't real what are you on about <laughs> exactly the mythical train <laughs> um, whereas you know a game about orcs and goblins may uh, may not be quite as appealing whereas um you mm. know if it's if it's a game about um, Lovecraft, whatever the the game mechanics may be, I'll probably give it a go. You know, I'll look at it and go, yeah, okay, let's 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 try this. Um, I even have, you know, there's tons of versions of games that we were talking about this before that um, been reskinned to have Lovecraft or Star Wars or something like that because it sells, mm. doesn't it? You know, just being like like Star Wars uh, Carcassonne is a thing. It like makes no sense. Really? Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> sure. They've done like a Star Trek Settlers of Catan. Oh yeah, they, so. <laughs> have they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we did. We we were discussing a minute ago whether there's a ticket to ride Cthulhu because it's the perfect thing, right? Because those could be segments of tentacles <laughs> working their way around. Well, yeah, the they could. You could easily do a theme like uh, Call of Cthulhu um, meets Ticket to Ride. All you need to do is give each player like control of an um, like an ancient one, and basically they can <laughs> rip up other people's trains and tracks and just destroy parts of the board. So um, uh, de- uh, Days of Wonder, call us, right? We got the rights to that. Yeah. They patented that. I'm sure uh, they've never considered uh, this. Not going too far into this one. <laughs> not going too far into this one, but a game where I love the theme, but the mechanics let it down. Mm. And by mechanics, I mean commercial mechanics. It's 40k. Oh yes. yeah. The so the commercial mechanics employed by GW to sell codexes and print money. <laughs> I do not. I do not agree with it. The, think... me- the commercial mechanics for me let it down because it's so driven by that codex model. And I think if they were to release things in like in waves like Infinity does, so you get a number of different units from a number of different factions over the course of it, um, I, it probably wouldn't work for the way that it's spread out. But I, I think that for me would be a better model because I think the game would be more balanced across the board. And they have this natural kind of like codex creep and or mm. codex wave, as it were. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I wholeheartedly agree, to be honest. I mean, if you look at all the other kind of war games that are out there. I think I'm reasonably confident in saying that GW are now one of the only ones that do that because nobody else, like you don't see FFG don't release army books for any of their games. Um, Infinity don't do it for theirs. You know, you'll get new units, you'll get a wave of new units, but you don't get, oh, here's your Pano army book, here's your combined army army book. It's, it's not a thing. And it, it, it's better for the game to not do that but obviously for GW with, you know, beholden to shareholders, it's a cash cow. 
So unfortunately, that's why they do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I do also dislike that sales model because it's it, it encourages imbalance in a way because, like we said earlier, if you want to sell those shiny new models that you've just designed, you got to give them good rules yeah. and then out, out they go. It's a money printing yeah. machine. Well, it is crazy though because it, it probably does do quite well actually if you go oh here's the new models we'll just take the points down by about you know 10 percent, and then we'll sell them mm. like hotcakes and it's like yeah it works yeah and um you know then you know to be fair they normally do rectify it after a while once they've made enough money yeah. and they need something else to sell well <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly i mean it's kind of i, I suppose you, you can't necessarily blame them because they are a business they're in it to make money and also there's people like us that will go out there and, and pay the money for it yeah. so you know it's a self-fulfilling prophecy right it's the only way you can stop that is to vote with your wallet and obviously that would be a bad thing because then the company would go under if everyone did that yeah that'd be really bad so, actually I, I was actually thinking about mm. that the other day like if if there, if you know the games workshop has been around so long you almost treat it as a, a given um but it would be you know when they went through some dark times if it had disappeared it the, the, it would have massively impacted wargaming as a, as a viable hobby for many people so it's really important mm. that it's there um yeah. you know really important and people may start there and then go other places that's cool or they may stick with it forever you know um some people don't even mm. know there's other games <laughs> it's mad isn't it i honestly I, I don't hate my i don't hate my past self you know what i mean like just having my eyes open to the wider world of games in general is so much more it feels so much more enlightening than just being on that one path of this is the one game i play and everything else is a pale imitation because it's not the case at all mm. yeah definitely but I, I i'm with you adam I, I i do dislike that kind of commercial model as it were those commercial mechanics what, 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 what i do it. is i just keep on buying old models on ebay so none of my money goes to games workshop <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> They've already had their yeah. fill. Yeah, you had your money 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. And anything for you, Darren? Anything where you might, you might love the theme but dislike the mechanics? Um, I've got a list as long as oh, my arm here. Uh, there's but... a, I think I've mentioned this game before, but it's the um, the Ark- Arkham Dice game. I can't remember what it's called now. Oh, but... oh uh, Cthulhu, Cthulhu Yahtzee. Yeah, it's absolutely Sun, terrible. No, yeah. Absolutely awful. Lovecraft, Lovecraft Yahtzee. Yeah, I hated it. It's there's no tactics. I've got you. I've got you the Marvel version. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, if anyone ever want, well, you know, if any, anyone in our local group ever wanted it, I'd uh, I'd happily give it away because. Uh, yeah, it's um That's a that's our first YouTube video, right? As we just set fire to a copy of Elder Sign and film it. I don't want to summon Cthulhu. Yeah. You can't burn anything, HP Lovecraft. That's like cause for a reckoning right there. <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely a, a veneer of hey look, it's got Lovecraft stuff on it and it's completely complete trash game. <laughs> <laughs> this is surprising from um from uh uh, fancy flight games um yeah i'm quite surprised about that i've not had many bad uh games from fancy flight yeah they've got a very very good catalog but they do have some duffers in there like elder sign <laughs> i think <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've yeah i can i can list a few so going back to games workshop briefly blood bowl absolutely love the idea of blood bowl love the theme of that you know fantasy american football sounds like a recipe for 
a fantastic game, right? Mm. No, it's a fucking labour to play. <laughs> I'm not oh. going to lie. Uh, just the thought of playing Blood Bowl. <laughs> oh. I just remember back back to the club days where we do like that. Oh, you know, everyone be like, oh yeah, guys, let's get a Blood Bowl league going. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, oh, who's got to play Scooby and his broken dwarfs <laughs> and like spend like. 16 rounds just getting pummeled by a death roller and a bunch of dwarves that just want to punch you well, in the that's face. That's it. It's not a quick game either, is it? It's actually quite a slow no. and um, deliberately... like It's really like it pays to be slow and really well thought out, which is the complete opposite of what a sports game should be. It should be dynamic, fast and yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Dreadball is the game that Blood Bowl wishes it could have been. Yeah, I, I agree think, with that. Because Dreadball yeah. nails it. I cannot... I, I can find very little wrong with Dreadball. In comparison, I, I mean it's not I perfect. Think both of them. So, so, so you could probably say like theme in general, sports games. Uh, but the mechanics, I think, any sort of like leveling up mechanic within those kind of like fantasy sports games never work. Yeah. Because I've always seen like all teams run away with it after after a pe- couple of players get some ridiculous XP and a couple of skills and everything goes out the window. Yeah. Balance goes, doesn't it? I th- I think you can play a league as long as you don't as long as you don't have any levelling up, I think it works. You just play yeah. a bunch of games against people with the same team list. I think that's yeah, that's how you should run a league, I think. Because it's really hard to make way. to stop the rich getting richer. And those, those leagues are all about like, yeah. oh, you're experienced, now you're better, you'll probably win the next game, get more experience. And it's it's really hard to stop mm. that. Like Otherwise, what's the point of getting experience? You either make the underdog mechanic too good, so the point where no one wants experience, or... You know, it's just hard to balance. Uh, I agree, just get some games together and just play with your core sets or, you know, whatever team you want, but don't bother with experience. It's probably a better way of doing it. Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to do that. Maybe maybe when we return to, you know, when we all emerge from our caves, we can do another Dreadball League, perhaps, where we just play the games. You just pick a team and stick with it for the league. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. You just We just have a, we have a league table, just wins and losses. Perhaps that's the way to do it. I hear the nameless have been... Uh rectified on they're not so broken anymore so uh, I was able to beat them they weren't that bad <laughs> a lot of complaints about my name uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the Terratons back out they're my first fully painted oh. horse in the like, last, <laughs> last 10 years, 20 years. <laughs> brilliant um, what's another one I, I, I've got like I say I've got quite a list here because I've had plenty of time to think about this uh, he's got his book of grudges out. Yeah, he's grudges, like yeah. looking through. Thorgrim, get the it. book. And another um, thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, Armada, the Star Wars Armada by Fantasy Flight. I think that is one where I love the theme, just didn't like the mechanics. And I know for some people they love minutiae when you get to a big like scale like that. But for me, I think well, no. If you're scaling, if you're zooming out that much, you need to abstract more to make the game flow quicker. Because inevitably, big fleet-based games like that, there are no fleet-based games that I've played that run quickly and smoothly. They are always horrendously clunky, and they just kind of... I get bored. Mm. Maybe it's my attention span. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the fault. I just don't have the attention span for it. But I, I wouldn't say maybe you're close there, but... Um... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to not be offensive <laughs> with this comment. It's but fine. I think, it's I fine. think in general, I like big spaceship games should play clunky. Like you are piloting a giant hunk of metal through space towards one another. But I do mm. agree with you. Like in comparison to playing something like X-Wing where it's fast, dynamic, 
um, it feels like you're making lots of decisions and kind of like your kind of pilot skill of where you place them. This is like slowly moving towards the enemy and then, yeah, it just, just so, doesn't deliver. Yeah, so with that, like, there's an argument there that, okay, so more rules doesn't necessarily make for better design. They could You could still have it feel you're like you're controlling a big clunky ship manned by hundreds of crew without the game being clunky i think there's a more elegant solution that maybe a lot of developers are missing i think the other thing with um with armada is that they tried to i think they got the scale wrong (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) well this is it i think they got the scale wrong i think if you look across at like dystopian wars i think that works really well as a fleet-based game that and they get kind of like the core mechanics right and kind of like the exploding dice and everything and the excitement there and the different capabilities of the the different levels of ship i think came out really well and it's really sad to see spartan go down actually because they had some great games didn't Um, uh, but they were were, yeah they did but um i think they're trying to reboot it mash it with wild mm. west exodus in the same universe there is a set coming um, out that that kind of plan. for dystopian wars dystopian age um so they, they are doing something with it soon uh it'd be interesting to see if uh yeah. it really goes anywhere but uh hmm. but yeah I, yeah I think like in terms of armada like armada we always joke it's like yeah my armada of what two <laughs> ships Two, two, three ships. That's it. It just doesn't deliver on that kind of like big promise because they were selling each ship at like fifty, sixty quid a pop, right? And yeah, they're horrendous. I mean, that is the typical FFG naming convention for all their Star Wars games: X-wing, where nobody flew X-wings; Legion, where it's a platoon; <laughs> and Armada, where it is yeah a flotilla at best. <laughs> like it's just yeah, they they, they over grandiose the scale with with their naming conventions. But I mean, yeah, that was. I don't know I just couldn't I really really wanted to love it you know I went all in I bought a load of stuff second hand off of people spent quite a lot of money and played it twice and I was like oh there's a nugget of a good game here but it's just it's not for me it's not doing it I think it's it might also be partly to do with that still running on the old FFG sales model of we've you know the CCG style in that we've got if you want the good cards for this ship, you've got to go and buy that other ship that has those cards in it, which thankfully they've moved away from now and they're either selling card packs that will have those upgrades in so you don't need to go and buy another ship or they'll make sure that within one faction, the cards you want will be somewhere in that faction so you're not having to buy things outside of your faction to get the cards you want. I dislike the card mechanic anyway. I think it should just be a special rule in a book. You know, that's how 40k does it, right? You don't buy cards for your units as it were maybe you buy a codex for your army and well, yeah. still life for it yeah it's, it's, it's the same thing it's one. half and half I yeah think it's so so yeah there's that um i've got oh yeah i could go on all night here just me <laughs> scythe scythe is, is one <laughs> i, I really this. wanted to love <laughs> yeah i know i bet you were but everyone was this comes up every other episode it I does think. oh lee's dislike of scythe <laughs> Yeah, it's my middle name is Scythe Hater. I know, it, it, it um, um, promises so much with big mech models and then delivers you a Euro game. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, the thing is, I, I, I actually didn't mind that it was a Euro game. I think it was just there were certain mechanics in that that just didn't work for me, didn't gel right, and it just took me out of it. And part of that may have been we had a demo game where... Jay, bless him, maybe 
because I found myself struggling to work out what he meant by certain rules when he explained them. But that's because Jake he... never reads rules anyway. <laughs> he doesn't. That is that is the running joke. <laughs> he will even admit you probably have this. never actually yeah, played real scythe. You played J scythe. Yeah. yeah. We, we 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 should chip in and get him that like my first scythe set for Christmas. It's like a, a scythe version aimed at kids. It's another one with, like My Little Pony esque like, things on it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, he'd hate that. That would definitely be one where he, he hates the theme and probably loves the mechanics. Um. I think, uh, yeah, Scythe anyway. So I didn't mind that it was a Euro game. It was just certain mechanics in that just threw me a little bit. And I was like, mm. it looked like the board looks incredible. The the premise is really cool. Just didn't didn't do it for me. I, I think maybe just didn't match your expectations seeing the game and expecting it to play a certain way, um, possibly. Uh, Adam, sorry, you were going to say? No, I've got another game, Go but I'm going to let you finish your... No, we're done. We're done. All right. I've got, I've got, I've got a few more. But Here we go. Like... Here we go. <laughs> go on then. The Gears of War board game. My God, I love Gears of War. Like the first couple of like video games of Gears of War were phenomenal. Great experiences. I'm not going to go into like probably Gears of War 4 onwards. Kind of just they rinse and repeat the same mechanics and don't deliver anything new. Hmm. But honestly, like... The, the board game was just shocking. Like, they could have had such a great board game and it just didn't deliver. But, this is, mm. on the same veil, that Fallout board game oh, that we yeah. played at the um, the Expo, same thing, trying to convert a video game to a board game and they just took the franchise and thought, yeah, people are buy this for the franchise and nothing else. And mm. as a as a avid board game, kind of war gamer, like... It just lets it down in so many ways. Um, maybe people who play video games and don't play many board games will pick it up and have a great time. But for us, I think it frustrates the hell out of us when we get something and it's like, oh, this feels really clunky and horrible. I think the Gears of War one's an odd one, though, because that was back at the start of my journey into board games. You know, I barely knew anything about board games at that point, other than Monopoly and Snakes and Ladders, you know, the kind of standard fare. And I got the game and I mistakenly tried to learn it as we were about to play it. And that's never going to work with a game as complicated mm. as that. You know, it is, it is. And I think they've reused the engine for that for the new Doom board game from what I've read. It sounds pretty much identical. And actually, I can imagine it's probably quite a good game if I'd read the rule book ahead of time, prepped everything ahead of time. And like I remember at the time, my wife wanted to play as well because she, she likes Gears of War, liked Gears of War as well. And... It was uh, we were having a bit of a party. We had a gathering of people, and she was like rushing me to read it. And if there's one thing I hate, it's being rushed at anything. If somebody rushes me, it just makes me a hundred times more irritable, and also I just find it I lose focus. So trying to then learn a rule book while there's the pressure of everyone going, "Hurry up, Lee! We want to play this game." It oh, just means that, that we yeah. couldn't get give it a fair That'd shake. Be terrible, I hate that. yeah. I I spend a lot of time prepping for games actually, like. Uh, like over the top I'd say like I will watch videos I'll read through the book I'll set it up and play a turn myself and you know not everyone's going to do that but I, I, that's the way I like it because then I feel like I can explain things well but if you because otherwise yeah. it's people just ask you questions and you're like I don't know and they've got to look it up and it just breaks the flow of the game um, yeah I'm with you I don't think it's over the top at all doing what you do because I, I tend to do very similar you know maybe not as much but i definitely do that yeah because otherwise yeah and even then people always accuse me of 
hiding certain rules that I let, let her use. <laughs> Which, look, I would never do such a thing. <laughs> Darren, you've done that on multiple occasions. I kid you not. Oh, by the way, this yeah, sub-rule new, in paragraph 6.3 yeah, in new the rule, rule guys on page 54 and a half. I'm playing my note yeah. card. <laughs> and I th- I've, I've also got another one here, actually. Um, Dead of Winter. Ooh, okay. Love the theme. Couldn't uh, most of, most oh. of the mechanics I liked, but it's it's traitor. the traitor thing. Yeah. I just which is weird. But it's nothing against the mechanic, right? It's not against the mechanic. It's against your relationship with the traitor mechanic yeah. in particular. But that being said, we have been recently playing Among Us, and which is essentially werewolf, but with a few extra bells and whistles. Which is a video game for anyone who's unaware. You can play it on your phones. You can play it online, and it's it's a very funny game. And that is essentially the whole game is based around a traitor mechanic. But you, but your your eyes don't lie, Lee. So if you're sat around a table, I can look across and go, Lee's the traitor, and I can pretty much get a ninety percent bead on if you are the traitor or not. Mm. I reckon in a board game, but I can't <laughs> yeah. do that on Among Us because it's over. Maybe, it's virtual. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. I just have a great like, poker face. You will literally. I will see you pick up those cards, and I'd be like, "Oh, he's the traitor." You can tell, like, <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh fuck!" I've got to play as the traitor for the rest of the game with Adam knowing I'm the traitor. So, uh, yeah, I think those kind of hidden traitor. You can things... always play without a traitor. That's the easy solution. No, Darren, you can't. That's no, no. Like never play without a traitor. Right? It does. T- it does yeah, lose something. I mean, everyone's kind of only semi altruistic anyway, because like we, all, everyone has their main objective. Um, so there's still a degree of like people won't necessarily do exactly what you want them to, and that's nice because it kind of breaks that quarterbacking uh, that you get in other co-op games. Uh, the traitor mechanic can go too far sometimes. Like I- I've had games where it's been amazingly good fun that someone's kind of tried to be you know be a traitor, try to mess up the mission at a critical moment, and everyone's laughed and it's been great. And I've had other ones where <laughs> I've basically I've been a traitor again shows my moment screwed everyone up and ruined the game for everyone <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's it though isn't it it's like when you're the betray you've really got to pick your time and pick your moment to do it and don't be a you, you can't give your game away too early basically or prey on it you've got to wait for that opportunistic moment to really like <laughs> stick the knife in and you know it if they pull it out there's just going to be blood everywhere <laughs> And no one's coming back <laughs> from that. But I, I, I do, I do love those hidden. I love those hidden mechanic games. Like I think they, they're really good fun. Um, but I don't. I see, I see what you're saying, Lee, in terms of kind of. If you don't like that style of mechanic, it can, it can be a detriment, especially if you're playing a game that can go on for one and a half hours. And if someone gets a bead on you straight away, it's like, well, there goes ninety minutes of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Do you know, we're playing Betrayal Legacy at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, and that's got a... It's not a hidden Betrayal mechanic. It's like most of the missions, once the haunt begins, one of you is literally declared as the Betrayer, and they get a separate rule book to read and, like, oh, wow. outcomes and objectives. So it's kind of like it's open information. Some of the Some of the scenarios, it's hidden, but the majority of them, you know exactly who the traitor is. Hmm. Um but yeah, you know, it's 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 a nice set of mechanics, but I can see why you would be frustrated by it. And maybe you had a particularly negative play experience with 
with with uh, Dead of Winter with you lot. Yeah, <laughs> 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 no, I, I don't know. I think it, yeah, it's it's partly my hang up. You know, I, I'm not a good liar in person, so it's kind of hard to, for me to play that. And I I feel then like like you've we've had discussions about other games where it's like I don't I'm immediately on the back foot. I'm immediately at a disadvantage compared to everyone else because of that because I'm not very good at lying. And so I feel that it's like, well, I'm not on a level playing field here. So That's what a liar would say, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, Lee, you know... Sounds I, exactly yeah. like a liar would say. <laughs> I'm not playing Marines in 40k, so I'm playing on the back foot all the time. But you don't hear me complaining. Uh, I think Slack would... would uh, I think the Slack group would uh, care to differ yeah. on that one. But... All right, fine. I, I, yeah, all right, okay. I'll take that talking one. about... Stuff like that more than playing the game. I think it's actually it's like the sort of <laughs> it's part yeah. of the meta, isn't it? Moaning about it, up or, yeah. yeah, moaning about it. It's like that. That is more of a game <laughs> and more entertaining. <laughs> so, so here's here's another game that I think um, has an absolutely astounding theme, but mm-hmm. the mechanics just, or maybe even the format of the game. So it, I'm going to say Legend of the Five Rings. I think the background, the kind of the artwork, the theme is like, is is absolutely stunning. Like the kind of conflict between the seven different clans and kind of all of the just, just world building that goes Mm. on behind the scenes for it only to be an RPG and a card game really limits its kind of like exposure. Um, And I think the card game in particular is good but it's it's very um it's quite a brutal card game it's like magic the gathering but for people who don't want to spend out on the cards but love really really like crunchy combos and like so i i used to i picked up some of the cards and i started playing with jay and i think we can have some friendly games like casual games of it and relatively it can be quite balanced as soon I started, you know, when lockdown hit, I started, I found some kind of options for playing it online. And there are players on there that will literally floor you in about three <laughs> turns. And I'm like, what is going on here? Wow. I don't know what is going on. And they're doing all these like super combos. And I'm like, <laughs> no, don't mm-hmm. get what's going on. There is like, you know how they articulate kind of like, um, kind of um, skill curves in games and stuff. Mm. It feels like there's just like this cliff edge. <laughs> and unless you invest like loads of time you'll never get over it um oh, wow. so for me that feels like a kind of a negative mechanic or negative kind of like this it requires so much investment to get a lot out of it mm. because the community is quite a small community um and you're either in the community or out of yeah. it <laughs> I, I think um actually do they do have a board game for settler that world now i believe mm. Yeah. Do they? Battle for Rokugan, yeah. isn't it? Which is very similar to Rising Sun in a lot of respects from what I've read. But a lot cheaper. Not not 100%. Yeah, There's, it's, yeah but it's not as good. It, it hasn't I, got, I, th- I can't remember if it's got plastic pieces or not, but it's it's, it's definitely not got like... Cards, um, all cards. At, at best, they're like little markers and not like models or anything like that. Yeah. No, no. Because I did look at it and I thought... like the, the Not only was the theme very close to Rising Sun, but also the way it played. And I just thought... There's no point when there's already two copies of Rising Sun flowing around in our mm. group. Like, there's no point having a third. It will just never see the table. So, I, I didn't bother. But I'm surprised actually that you said that, Adam. But I guess it's kind of a. 
I love the theme of that, but I think for me, I, I've not played it, but I've looked into it, and I just think it seems a bit too heavy for my tastes. So it's just why I've never sort of taken the plunge or had a demo of it. Actually, I do struggle a bit with getting into um, really heavy card games, actually. I don't know why. Um, I'm normally, I think, quite into getting into games, but um, even Magic, I could never get beyond the sort of surface level. That's probably one of the reasons why I quite enjoy Transformers, because <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> but yeah, it is. But yeah, I don't know why. Um, I, I think it's because the um, possibly the amount of time you need to put into it. it. It really helps if you put a lot of time into those games to to work out what all the combos are and what all the cards are available. Um, and I think you need a relatively healthy group penetration. Like you need a lot of people playing it to like really get the most out of it. And I think um, one of the reasons Arkham works really well is because you only you only actually need one person to mm. own the sets. Same with Marvel. And I think that's why it will still be a good game mm. is because you only need one person to buy the stuff and then everyone can play. Whereas like if you're playing Legend of the Five Rings, you need kind of like both players to invest in all the stuff. Or if you're doing kind of like magic or any of those kind of like competitive card games, I think it, it does turn into a bit of a money sink. Yeah, like any game really, isn't it, I suppose. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Everyone needs to invest to really get the play out of it. I did like it. I did enjoy the games though, to be fair. I think if you're playing casually, it was pretty good. It's just finding the time between everything else though, isn't it? Like I'm struggling, I'm like just so much is going on i i want to play more bushida i've seen all the new, yeah, new releases yeah. darren i'm like oh my god these models look great and i'd love to put those into the shiho and i'm like but i've got all this eldar <laughs> stuff i've got to finish and then i want to get back into infinity oh, yeah. and i'm just i am struggling to focus in terms of like my war game yeah, hobby there's time a lot out there um on what i what i want to play there's just too yeah. much going on too many games too little time definitely what i need to do is just win the lottery and then I can just become a full-time <laughs> wargamer and never still paint anything. <laughs> just pay, just <laughs> yeah, someone else to so do you that. Keep paying me to paint. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's a, it's a handy source of income when I'm a little bit short. I'm like Adam, I'll, let me paint some stuff. Well, you can deal with some cult <laughs> models now. So <laughs> quite happy to do that. Um, so, getting back on topic, um, another one where I. Uh, dislike the mechanics but love the theme I think would be the uh, the new Necromunda actually I, the models in that like the newer models they haven't quite got as much character as the early metal sculpts like from the first edition but actually the theme of like gang warfare and you know climbing up multiple levels and having like, it, it just really appeals but mechanically that game did not do it for me the new Necromunda I can't speak for the old version because I never really played it. I had the rule book, had oh, a couple of gangs. I, 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 but, you know, played I was a couple of leagues never... of that. Um, that was good fun. That was. Uh... I've still got the old rule book and a lot of the old dice, so technically I could yeah. still play mm-hmm. old Necromunda, classic Necromunda. I um, but... I actually messaged Jay. Funny story. I actually messaged Jay the other day and just was talking to him about Necromunda because I saw up on the uh, Xbox Store like the Necromunda game that they've released. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, these these war bands have got a lot of character to mm, them. Mm. And I was like, do you know what? This kind of I always liked kind of gang warfare. Personally, I preferred the fantasy stuff, so Mordheim. Um, but war prime, I'd war still prime. play Necromunda. Um, I would give it another go. It could be that I had a duff intro 
and like you know it was only there were only two gangs and you had to buy all of the different books to get all of the different <laughs> rules and all that shine yeah. i was like oh, i don't want that but yeah i know like for me like it looks beautiful but i just don't know if the mechanics really did it for me this time around but i think there's a lot to be said for theme for us it'd be interesting to know what other people think because i know there are some members of our group who will discount a game purely on theme and i know we're all probably guilty of that but i've definitely opened my mind up a bit more recently and it's like i will try it even if i'm not necessarily into the theme how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think probably the biggest uh, turnaround of expectation versus like see the initial initial thoughts on the game versus playing it and then thinking about it was that um, magic bubbling potion game that um, you can't remember what it's called now. Oh, yeah. Quacks of Quedlinburg. Because I looked. At, that is a I hard looked at sell. it and honestly I was like that it's is... wizards but it, there's nothing wizardry like like it lacks the kind of things that I associate with wizards and so I was like I'm making a, like a soup basically <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> <laughs> you could reskin it as yeah, a chef you could, like, yeah. couldn't you like, it's just I mean it's still it's still magical I suppose but for me I was like I'm not really sure what to expect and I wasn't convinced basically but as soon as I played it I was like oh this is great I love it you know, and it's like completely. It, I got really glad that I went in and gave it a go because, uh, yeah, it 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 is a really good game. Mm, I do. If I you like that, that, you should play uh, Taverns of Teeth and Thal. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's I'll, the follow up, isn't it? Like, but it's, yeah, it's the follow up. So, yeah, that's so good. What, what's that? Is that where you're actually running a tavern? Yeah, you're so you're running a tavern. You have like just like you've got your dice bag. You've got like a a bag it's not a bag but a deck of cards that you build that you mm. can kind of like add additional types of patron into okay and then you can upgrade your tavern to have different kind of things that satisfy those patrons or serve more beer or entertainment when they come in or have more tables to seat them um Sounds so nice. it's like you're kind of upgrading your bag but you're also upgrading the um kind of the the tile that you have in front of you Mm. It, it it plays different it's, it's different enough that i warranted picking it up because yeah. I, I still think that they're different enough you get different experiences out of them and i like quacks being that kind of random bag kind of like shuffling yeah. and pulling them out so yeah so, yeah sorry go on darren it's no, it's a really nice tactical kind of game actually and it's you know that that side of it um, it's really good fun. It, it re- and it just has that addictive kind of push your luck mechanic of mm. like I can <laughs> I can do this <laughs> you know, you potion it and it inevitably explodes. <laughs> and that's that's the interesting thing for me because I am not a gambler at all. I I don't despise gambling, but I just I don't do it because you know there's too much at stake, right? If you get hooked, but actually, quacks is essentially gambling, right? You are taking mm. that gamble and pushing your luck, and. There, I can see why gambling is so addictive. Like it's because it is actually. I'll just pull that one more herb out, and <laughs> oh no, I've exploded. But I guess there's no consequence, no real consequence there. No. Whereas obviously, actual gambling, there can be quite harsh financial yeah. consequences if you get it wrong. So yeah, yeah, that that one surprised me because I didn't think I was going to like it. We tried it on on a whim in a board game cafe, uh, Kim and I. And we liked it that much that we went and bought a copy like the next day because it was we actually had that much fun with it. 
Yeah, and I think it is a really great game. I love the mm. way that you can still kind of play the luck in your favour, so you can kind of decide what kind of player you are and what kind of components you're going to add into your bag, mm. as it were. Um, and it really develops over time. Like you, It's one of those great games, like Taverns, that you learn the mechanics as you go. So the first couple of turns, actually not massives, massives happen in the game. Like You don't score massive points and you don't tend to accrue enough that you're getting loads and loads of choices but it's enough choices to let you learn the mechanics so by the turn four or five where it actually matters you're able to make informed decisions and i think mm. that's a really really nice way of playing a game yeah the learning curve's really sort of well thought out isn't it it's, it works really well good stuff any, any other games you guys can think of there i think i've covered everything mm. yeah do you know what think i've pretty much mentioned everything that i was that i had on the back of my mind but also i've come up with some during our conversation that kind of i'd never even thought of so Mm. good stuff okay So that just about wraps up episode 26 of the Average Gamers podcast. It's not really our 26th episode. We've done about four or five others, so we're actually over 30 now. Can you believe that? We're we're proper old. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Almost the same age as me. Much much like our hosts, we're all past it. Um, (laughs) Wow. So it just (laughs) remains for me to say... (laughs) It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. Um, if you happen to have stumbled across us from some other means, if you want to subscribe to us, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts now, well, Amazon Music, sorry, all Stitcher, the Anchor, SoundCloud. We are we are everywhere. We've literally spunked ourselves all over the internet. <laughs> uh, if you want to find out a bit more about us, you can search for The Average Gamers and look for the retro 80s style logo because I've noticed a couple of other podcasts out there have been pinching our name. Cheeky, cheeky. Cheeky cheeky, naughty naughty. So Adam, where else can we be found out there on Tinterweb? Yeah, so you can also find us on the many different social channels. So we are on Instagram. If you search for the Average Gamers, Uh, we are also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Average Gamers Podcast. We're on Twitter as well. Tweet, tweet at us at the Average underscore Gamers. Or you can drop us an old fashioned, that's right, email at averagegamerspod at gmail.com fantastic thank you adam okay well let's let's say goodbye guys so darren give us a goodbye (laughs) goodbye (laughs) and adam say goodbye adam see you later guys 